peace be upon you. So imagine you're watching your favorite basketball team and they are tied up until the last second with the opponent and your team shoots and score right at the buzzer goes off and they miss. What are people going to say about that game? They're going to say they lost that game because they missed that shot. But this is an oversimplification of what took place. Because they did not lose that game because of that one shot, but because of millions of individual events and outcomes that took place, decisions that were made that led to that final outcome of that team winning and the other team losing. For instance, we love to think that it was just that one shot, but what about all the multitudes of shots that took place prior to that last shot? Why was it that the teams were neck and neck up until that last second? Or what about the training of each individual player in preparation for that specific game? Could they have trained a little harder to perform a little better to affect the outcome of that game? Or what about the food they decided to eat or uh, forego prior to that game? Maybe if they ate better food, they would have been had more energy and performed better than they did. Or maybe they decided to stay up a little too late the night before, and that affected the outcome of the game. And it's impossible to determine how much we weigh each one of these factors as far as the outcome of that game. And there's only one individual who has the capability of being able to adequately weigh every single one of these decisions, and that's God. And because of this, God is the one who determines the outcome, not because of one single decision, but because of the aggregation of every single decision that's being made. Each day, we have the opportunity, we have thousands of opportunities to decide to draw closer to God or further away. And it's the aggregate of all those decisions that are going to determine our destiny in the hereafter. It's not any one single decision, but a buildup of every single decision we decide to make. For instance, each day we eat food. Thousands and thousands of times we're eating food. Are we mentioning God before we eat that food? Are we reflective of God for providing this provision for us? Are we drawing closer during these opportunities? Or five times a day, we have the opportunity to perform our salat, to make contact with our Creator. Are we taking that time out of our day to focus and think about God, to perform our salat? Or when we get paid or receive income, God has given us money. Are we reflective? Are we appreciative at that moment when we receive that money in our bank account? And are we paying our zakat, our 2.5% when we receive this money. You see, life is not limited down to one decision. It has to do with the multitude of decisions we make every single day that determines our outcome. God tells us that in the hereafter, the individuals who are destined for hell, that they will implore their Lord to send them back so they can work righteousness. And God tells us the response in 35, 37, it says, They will scream there, and our Lord, if you get us out of here, we will work righteousness instead of the works we used to do. And God responds, Did we not give you a lifelong chance with continuous reminders for those who would take heed? Did you not receive the warner? Therefore, taste the consequences. The transgressors will have no one to help them. They were given a multitude of opportunities, reminders, chances every single day of their life to repent, to reform, to draw closer to God. It is not one decision that led them to hell, but a multitude of bad decisions. And these bad decisions end up reflecting our outcomes in this world. We read in Surah 3 verse 155, it says, Surely those among you who turn back the day the two armies clash have been duped by the devil. 
And it says, this reflects some of the evil works they had committed. God has pardoned them. God is forgiver, clement. These bad decisions they made, it led to this crescendo, this pivotal moment where they turned back and fled when they faced the two armies. Now, this was not one decision. This was a multitude of decisions that allowed them to be duped by the devil. Those who make bad decisions day in and day out will pay the price for it. And the alternative is true. If day in, day out, we try to draw closer to God to maintain righteousness, God will protect us from falling in sin. God will protect us from bad outcomes. In Surah 12, verse 24, we read about Joseph, that Joseph was so good looking that the governor's wife was continuously trying to seduce him. And we read, it says, she almost succumbed to him and he almost succumbed to her. If it were not that he saw a proof from his Lord, we thus diverted evil and sin away from him for he was one of our devoted servants. God protected Joseph because of the good deeds he did in the past, that God knew he deserved to have his protection, and therefore diverted sin away from him. We see a similar example with Muhammad, that he was being pressured to alter the revelations, but God knowing that he was pure, that he had a good heart, that he was a righteous individual, saved him, from the devil's scheme. We read in 1773, it says, they almost diverted you from the revelations we have given you. They wanted you to fabricate something else in order to consider you a friend. If we're not that we strengthened you, you almost lean towards them just a little bit. God seeing the righteousness of the individuals is going to protect them accordingly because the decisions we make every day, they're reflective of the outcomes we're gonna see in our life. When we live a life of righteousness, when day in, day out, we try to do the things that please God, we are protecting ourselves with the garment of righteousness. And this is better than any garment we could possibly have because this garment protects us from sin. It protects us from harm. In Surah 16, verse 81, it says, God provided for you garments that protect you from heat and garments that protect you when you fight in wars. We think that if we have the right armor, the right shields, we can be protected. And God is telling us the best protection we can have is by being in God's graces. And that's by having the garment of righteousness. In Surah 7 verse 36 says, O children of Adam, we have provided you with garments to cover your bodies as well as for luxury. But the best garment is the garment of righteousness. These are some of God's signs that they may take heed. God tells us those who possess the garments of righteousness that God protects them. In Surah 7 verse 196 says, God is my only Lord and Master, the one who revealed the scripture. He protects the righteous. We read in 3173 through 3174 says, When the people say to them, people have mobilized against you, you should fear them. This only strengthens their faith and they say God suffices us. He is the best protector. They have deserved God's blessings and grace. No harm ever touches them, for they have attained God's approval. God possesses infinite grace. By maintaining righteousness, by day in, day out, making the decisions that draw us closer to God, we are guaranteed to be protected. Now, what's fascinating is you go back to the story of Joseph, and you see the trials and turbulations and hardship he had to endure. But this was for his blessing. This was for him to grow and develop. And God protected him along the way. God gives us these opportunities in our life 
to shape us, to allow us to grow, to make decisions that draw us closer to God, to bring us to our potential. And the outcome is how do we make the decisions we make are going to be dependent on the outcomes we see. When Joseph was abandoned by his brothers and thrown into the well and left for dead, he maintained righteousness. When he was sold off into slavery, he maintained righteousness. When he was subdued by the governor's wife and falsely accused and thrown into prison, he maintained righteousness. And because of that, God elevated him, made him the treasure of all of Egypt, allowed him to pull his family from the brink of famine and protect them. All these decisions we make determine our outcomes. Just like no one drop makes an ocean or one grain of sand makes a beach, no life is made from one single decision, but instead from a multitude of decisions we make throughout our life. We love to think that individuals are overnight successes, as if they just woke up one day and they achieved greatness. But what we fail to realize is all the multitude of decisions and sacrifices and hardships they had to endure to take them to where they need to go. Uh, I recently watched the talk by someone by the name of Colin O'Brady. He was the first person in history to walk solo across Antarctica with no assistance whatsoever, carrying 400 pounds of his uh, food and supplies on sleds. It took 54 days. He traveled 930 miles. He went through ice bridges, climbed through snow, endured temperatures as low as minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit. What makes this story even more fascinating of how one individual is able to endure and persevere through so much was that roughly 10 years earlier, uh, after graduating from college, he went on a year on a backpacking trip. And in an island in Thailand, he ends up participating in some fire stunt and severely burns about 25% of his body, predominantly his legs and feet, to the point that doctor said he would never walk normally again. And he was so severely burned that he wasn't able to get on a, uh, a hospital to get back to the States to uh, get the proper medical care he needed. And he had to have surgery in Thailand. And um, his mother flew out to tend to him. And she asked him, said, what are you going to do when you get out of the hospital? And he said, I'm going to do a triathlon. And this seems totally ludicrous for someone who's going through such hardship, who doctors are saying, you know, you're probably never going to walk normally again, to make that his ambition. But from that day, his mother got him weights, and in the hospital bed, he started training for his triathlon. And finally, I think it was after a month or two later, he gets back to the States. He has to learn how to walk all over again. And he said each day he made an effort to be able to walk one more step than he did the day before. And he was talking about the pain and the suffering he had to endure. Now, when someone hears about his achievement in Antarctica, they have no clue about all the decisions, all the life-changing acts he had to perform to get to that state. And if that's not enough, right before performing his uh, 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 expedition in Antarctica, he achieved a world record. It's called the Explorer's Grand Slam where he climbed the highest mountains in all seven continents in the shortest amount of time in history. Each day, he had a decision to make. He could choose to be apathetic. He could choose not to strive. He could choose to be down and despondent. But he made the choice to better himself. And it's this aggregation of all these individual decisions that allowed him to achieve greatness. 
Now, it's tempting to put off change, to say, look, it's too difficult. I'll change tomorrow. I remember when I was in school, I always had this thought. I said, you know, when I'm in elementary school, you know, I'll get my act together when I'm in middle school. Then I got to middle school. I said, ah, middle school is not a big deal. I'll really buckle down and get into education when I'm in high school. <laughs> then in high school, I said, you know what? High school is for having fun. I'll buckle down and I'll really, you know, start taking my work seriously when I get into college. And then I was in my freshman year of college and I said, oh my God, my entire life, I've been kicking the can down the road, expecting that next year, you know, my next phase, I'm going to start taking action. I'm going to start making decisions that I'm going to be proud of. And it occurred to me that if I keep doing that, I'm never going to be able to change. We have to make the decision today at this very moment to start doing the decisions that are going to be pleasing to God. Because if we keep putting them off, it's going to be that much more harder to make these right decisions. God tells us in Surah 13 verse 11, it says, Shifts of angels take turns staying with each one of you. They are in front of you and behind you. They stay with you and guard you in accordance with God's commands. Thus, God does not change the condition of any people unless they themselves make the decision to change. If God wills any hardship for any people, no force can stop it. For they have none beside him as Lord and Master. God is telling us this is the decision we have to make is to want to change, to change towards righteousness. And if God sees that we make this decision, he's going to help us in every preceding decision to make sure that we are able to do the things that please him. But if we keep putting off making righteous decisions, saying, you know what, I'll start being righteous tomorrow. But today I'm going to sin. Today I'm going to do the things that the body desires and neglect the soul. Then all we're doing is going to make it that much harder to change. There is an expression that says, when is the best time to plant a tree? 40 years ago. When is the next best time to plant a tree? Today. When we make a decision today to do the things that please God, to do our salat, to give our zakat, to give to charity, to remember God's name before we eat, before we drink, to be reflective, to be appreciative. When we make that decision, that small little decision, we're nudging ourselves towards the direction that's going to leave us happy both in this life and in the hereafter. In Surah 8 verse 53 it says, God does not change a blessing He has bestowed upon any people unless they themselves decide to change. God is here omniscient. One of the very fascinating verses in the Quran that shows the human potential is that of surah 20 verse 43 and 44 in the context of god speaking to moses about pharaoh it says go to pharaoh for he transgress speak to him nicely he may take heed or become reverent meaning someone is despicable as evil as pharaoh there was an opportunity for him to change for him to repent and reform to come back to god's path and we read in the Quran consistently, it talks about Pharaoh, that he turned arrogant. In Surah 23, verse 46, it says to Pharaoh and his elders, but they turned arrogant. They were oppressive people. And in 1075, it says, then we sent after them Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh and his group with our proofs, but they turned arrogant. They were transgressing people. Pharaoh did not make one decision to turn his back on God, to deny the message that Aaron and Moses provide to him. 
He made a multitude of decisions, and this is clear. God provided with him nine miracles, each greater than the one before. And he did not take heed in any of them. He would continuously revert. For a second, when he would get hit with an affliction, he would beg Moses to relieve it. And the second God relieved the affliction, he reverted back to being a transgressor. And it's this continuous act that changed him to the point that he would no longer even have the opportunity to see the errors of his way. In Surah 10 verse 90, we read that we delivered the children of Israel across the sea. Pharaoh and his troops pursued them aggressively and sinfully. When drowning became a reality for him, he said, I believe that there is no God except the one in whom the children of Israel have believed. I am a submitter. And God's response, it says, too late. And the, the Arabic is alana, meaning like now, now you choose to uh, repent for you have rebelled already and chose to be a transgressor. Today, we will preserve your body to set you up as a lesson for future generations. Unfortunately, many people are totally oblivious to our signs. Pharaoh had all the opportunity his entire life to repent, to reform. And he waited until the very last second of his life to attempt to reform, but there just wasn't enough time. It was meaningless because part of repenting and reforming is the fact that you have to reform. If you're just saying that I repent, it's meaningless. It's lip service. In Surah 4 verse 81, it says, Not acceptable is the repentance of those who commit sins until death comes to them. Then say, Now I repent. This goes to show that repentance has to occur with ample amount of time for an individual to reform. Now, what's interesting is that the surah that Pharaoh repents in moments before being overtaken by death occurs in the surah Jonah. And you ask, what is the difference between Jonah and Pharaoh? Both these individuals believed that their life was about to end, and at that moment, they repented to God. And God accepted the repentance from one of them and not the other. We read in 2187, it says, And Zanun, which means Jonah, it's uh, the one with the N in his name, abandoned his mission in protest, thinking that we could not control him. He ended up imploring from the darkness of the big fish's belly, There is no God other than you. Be you glorified. I have committed a gross sin. We responded to him and saved him from the crisis, and thus we save the believers. Jonah did not spend his life turning arrogant. He made a bad decision, but due to his righteousness, his previous actions, God redeemed him. This was not the case with Pharaoh. Pharaoh exhorted all his options. He saw nine miracles. He killed the firstborn of the children of Israel. He committed all kinds of horrendous crimes. And despite this, at the last breath of his life, he attempted to pursue the children of Israel to slaughter them once and for all. There was no hope for this individual. And this is reflective of the bad decisions he made throughout his life. This is the reason that one cannot repent at the last minute because it's meaningless. Our outcome is not dependent on one decision. It's dependent on a multitude of decisions that we make throughout our life. We even see that while Jonah was inside that fish's belly, how did he spend his time? In 37, 139 through 146, it reads, Jonah was one of the messengers. He escaped to the loaded ship. He rebelled, and thus he joined the losers. Consequently, the fish swallowed him, and he was one to blame. If were not that he resorted to meditation, 
And in Arabic, this is al-musabin, which means glorification as well. He would have stayed in its belly until the day of resurrection. We had him thrown out into the desert exhausted. We had a tree of edible fruit grown for him. Jonah spent his time in that fish's belly meditating, glorifying God. He had the opportunity to grow and develop his soul even a tiny bit. And this is all it took for him to be redeemed. Now, is that what we do in our time of distress? Do we glorify God? Do we meditate on God? Do we implore God? Do we try to draw closer to God? And you add up all these decisions that an individual makes, and you see their outcomes. Pharaoh had the opportunity to repent, to reform, to become righteous, to be admitted into paradise, but he threw it all away. And now, for all of eternity, in hell, he's going to have to come face with the person he could have became, knowing full well that he lost that opportunity. There's a quote I heard, it says, Hell is when the person you became meets the person you could have become. And this is the experience that Pharaoh is going to have to have for all of eternity, knowing he could have had God's graces if he only made good decisions. Our decisions, day in, day out, have ripple effects. They affect our outcome in the hereafter and in this life. And each one of these decisions is going to draw us either closer or further away from God. In Surah 1975 and 76, we read, Say, those who choose to go astray, the most gracious will lead them on until they see what is promised for them, either the retribution or the hour. That is when they find out who really is worse off and weaker in power. God augments the guidance of those who choose to be guided, for the good deeds are eternally rewarded by your Lord and bring far better returns. If we choose to go astray or we choose to be guided, God is going to augment that belief. And the way our minds work is that whatever belief we hold, we're going to find confirmation in our day-to-day, in our lives, to confirm that belief we have. But the choice of what belief we choose to have is ultimately up to us. In Surah 2 verse 74, it says, Despite this, your hearts harden like rocks or even harder. For there are rocks from which rivers gush out, others crack and release gentle streams, and other rocks cringe out of reverence for God. God is never unaware of anything you do. The Arabic word qalb can mean both heart and mind. And when it says your heart's hardened, you can also think of it in the sense that your mind's hardened. When we get fixated on a belief and we fail to see our iniquity, and we think that our evil behavior is righteous, then all we're doing is we're solidifying our mind and blinding ourselves from the truth. In Surah 6 verse 43, it says, If only they implored when our tests afflicted them. Instead, their hearts, their qalb, were hardened, and the devil adorned their works in their eyes. So again, their hearts, their minds were hardened. They became that much more confident in their disbelief. In Surah 41 verse 5, uh, it reads, They said, Our minds are made up, our ears are death to your message, and a barrier separates us from you. Do what you want, and so will we. These individuals are making lifelong decisions to block themselves out of God's message. They're doing an active part day in, day out, to be deaf and blind to the truths that surround them. And on the day of resurrection, they have no one to blame except for themselves. 
because these millions of decisions they made every single day is going to determine their destiny. In 462 reads, how will it be when a disaster hits them as a consequence of their own works? They will come to you then and swear by God our intentions were good and righteous. They're going to believe that their evil behavior was good, was righteous. They have completely demolished their ability from differentiating good from evil. You think about Pharaoh. Pharaoh was telling his people that Moses and Aaron are trying to take them away from their ideal way of life. He thought his actions were righteous. He was completely blind up until the moment of death about how evil he truly was. In Surah 40 verse 56 says, Surely those who argue against God's revelations without the proof are exposing the arrogance that is hidden inside their chest. They are not even aware of it. Therefore, seek refuge in God. He is the hear, the seer. These individuals are oblivious to their actions. They think what they are doing is righteous. And by doing so, they're leading themselves further and further away, making more and more bad decisions. The purpose of this life is to expose our true qualities, to bring out our true convictions. So on the day of judgment, we have no one to blame except ourselves. We know the reason why we deserve to go to paradise or to hell. And we'll see that from the accumulation of all the decisions we made throughout our life. In Surah 47 verse 29 says, Did those who harbor doubts in their hearts think that God will not bring out their evil thoughts? If we will, we can expose them for you so you can recognize them just by looking at them. However, you can recognize them by the way they talk. God is fully aware of all your works. We will certainly put you to the test in order to distinguish those among you who strive and steadfastly persevere. We must expose your true qualities. Every day we have opportunities to grow in righteousness. And how we react to those situations, are we embracing them, are we moving towards them, is going to be reflective if we want to draw closer to God or further away. The way we talk, the language we use, how we think about righteousness is going to be reflective of our true nature. We see this repeatedly, that when the believers are faced with hardship and adversity, how do they respond versus those who are hypocrites and disbelievers? In Surah 33, verse 12, it says, The hypocrites and those with doubts in their hearts said what God and His Messenger promised was no more than an illusion. In Surah 3, verse 154, we read, After a setback He sent down upon you peaceful slumber that pacified some of you. Others among you were selfishly concerned about themselves. They harbored thoughts about God that were not right, the same thoughts they had harbored during the days of ignorance. Thus, they said, Is anything up to us? Say, Everything is up to God. They concealed inside themselves what they did not reveal to you. They said, if it was up to us, none of us would have been killed in this battle. Say, had you stayed in your homes, those destined to be killed would have crawled into their deathbeds. God thus puts you to the test to bring out your true convictions and to test what is in your hearts. God is fully aware of the innermost thoughts. Every day when we're faced with life, the what we see in the news, what we see in the media, what uh, we hear amongst our friends, how we react to these situations is going to be reflective on what we believe in our hearts. If we believe that everything is up to God, that God is doing absolutely everything, that if we trust in Him wholeheartedly, we will not suffer the slightest injustice. If we're living life in such a way, day in, day out, then we're drawing closer to God. 
But if we catch ourselves being objectors, getting angry, getting frustrated with the situation and what's being uh, God is allowing to happen in our lives, it shows that we're trying to move further and further away from God. In Surah 33 verse 22, it says, When the true believers saw the parties ready to attack, they said, This is what God and His Messenger have promised us, and God and His Messenger are truthful. This dangerous situation only strengthened their faith and augmented their submission. When we face hardship and adversity, how we behave, how we react, how we take on that challenge is going to be reflective of what is inside our hearts. If we cower, we become despondent, we grumble, we complain, then it shows that we do not believe that God is in absolute control. The final example I want to show about this is in Surah 2 verse 249 in regards to Saul. And uh, it reads, when Saul took command of the troops, he said, God is putting you to the test by means of a stream. Anyone who drinks from it does not belong with me. Only those who taste it belong with me, unless it is just a single sip. They drank from it, except a few of them. Then he crossed it with those who believed. They said, now we lack the strength to face Goliath and his troops. Think of this. These are individuals who passed that test. They refused to drink the water except for a single sip. They believed. Yet, when they faced it, they said, now we lack the strength to face Goliath and his troops. That they still needed to be purified. And it continues, those who were conscious of meeting God said, many a small army defeated a large army by God's leave. God is with those who steadfastly persevere. We need to take on these challenges day in, day out with exuberance, with confidence, and trust in God. If you ask the average person who claims to be a believer, do you believe in God? Wholeheartedly, everyone is going to agree that yes. But do we believe that God is with us right now? That He is in the room with you right now? He's observing, He's watching you, He's wanting you to make the right decisions, to act accordingly. Because we have to ask ourselves, are we living a life in such a way? Because if we keep putting off being righteous until tomorrow, then it's confirming that that's not what is in our hearts. So God willing, every day, from the moment we wake up in the morning and we glorify God to the second we close our eyes to go to bed at night, that we're continuously thinking about God and trying to do the things that please Him to make sure that we're maximizing our growth potential in this world so we can benefit both in this world and in the hereafter. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.